This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, June 6, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. This election, more than most in recent memory, has borne witness to various attempts to keep either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump from seizing the White House. And even many establishment Republicans seem unwilling to commit to a Trump candidacy. And if November's election fails to garner an electoral majority for any candidate, the 12th Amendment to the Constitution will be invoked. Ilya Shapiro explains how that might play out. Never have both major party candidates been so unpopular within their own parties, uh, in the country. Uh, This is really a a weird year that we're living. And so uh, there are all of these uh, uh, hopes. Can there be a a white knight that rides in and stops uh, both of them from becoming president? Uh, Well, uh, whether you're looking at uh, Gary Johnson and the Libertarian Party uh, or... Uh, Ben Sass or Mitt Romney or whomever Bill Kristol finally gets to run in his renegade party, David French or or otherwise, if they deprive both major party candidates, both Hillary and the Donald, of the magical 270 electoral college votes, well then, under the 12th Amendment, the election goes to the House of Representatives. This has only happened once in our history, the so-called corrupt bargain of 1824, where Andrew Jackson won a plurality of both the popular and electoral college vote in a four-man race. But then when it went to the House, John Quincy Adams ended up being elected. The machinations of the House of Representatives uh, haven't been tested in a long time. And I love the fact that we refer to any time a close reading of the Constitution uh, is required of members of Congress that we call it a constitutional crisis. Um, but this would be, you know, it's testing some old levers, some old gears. So what happens when uh, this kind of election goes to the U.S. House? Well, certainly everybody will be calling it a, a constitutional crisis, even though the Constitution explicitly provides for what happens in this scenario. This is not some sort of uh, situation where the uh, the branches of government are arrayed against each other, the president refuses to enforce a judicial ruling or something like this. True crises or a civil war. Uh, so what happens is that the top three finishers in the Electoral College uh, become candidates in the House. Uh, and the House members vote by state, not individually, by state, uh, for uh, any of these top three finishers. So they can't pick none of the above. They presumably have to pick uh, Trump, Hillary, and Gary Johnson, or, or whoever else, whoever finishes third in this scenario where, where there's no majority. Uh, currently, the state delegations are 33 Republican. 14 Democrat, three tied. Let's say after the election, it's 30-20 GOP to to Democrat. Uh, If only five of those GOP-led delegations defect, become never Trump, refuse to vote for Trump, then there's no majority. In that case, we look to what happens in the Senate, which is at the same time picking from the top two finishers for vice president in the Electoral College. And they're voting individually. So... Uh, let's say Hillary has, uh, if, if Hillary's done well, presumably the Democrats will have taken over the Senate. And, and we're talking about the new House and the new Senate after January 3rd, not the currently sitting one. Um, 
if if uh, the Democrats have a majority in the Senate, then presumably both the never Trump and the pro Trump Republicans in the House would not want Hillary's vice presidential nominee to be the president, uh, and so they would be uh, incentivized to uh, come out with some sort of resolution, either Trump or or no Trump. However, if Republicans maintain the majority in the Senate, uh, maybe there would be an overall preference for whomever Trump's VP nominee would be to be the president rather than Donald Trump himself. And if enough senators abstain or if there's a tie in the Senate for the VP, well, then there's neither a majority in the House nor the Senate. And who becomes president? House Speaker Paul Ryan. So there we go. So just to go back through this again. If there is not a majority in the House, once uh, the top three finishers are debated, then it's kicked over to the Senate where they will decide who will be the president among the top two finishers of four votes for, for electoral votes for vice president. And one of those two people would become president and failing a majority in the Senate among those two people the Speaker of the House becomes a president. That's right. It's a multi-level game theory here uh, with uh, the House looking to the Senate to see what's likely to happen because these presumably these votes are going on at the same time. So the Senate could try to game it by resisting voting until the House decides and then they kind of have this game of chicken. And if if no votes are taken, well, then, then Paul Ryan becomes president anyway, uh, regardless of whether there's a majority or, or not. Uh, and uh, to add a further uh, academic complication to this, there is a, a somewhat live uh, common uh, controversy among legal historians about uh, whether whether if Paul Ryan indeed does become president, according to this convoluted uh, scenario, whether some future House or Senate some, at some point in the next four years could then break their logjam, find a majority, and install a president or vice president who would then take over from Paul Ryan. Can you detail some of the some of the thought, the lines of thought on that theory? Well, the the question is: Is it one vote, one time? If you can't come up with a majority, that's it. Uh, and and once Ryan is installed, you can no longer keep voting House and Senate. Or, I mean, on this, the Constitution is really silent. Uh, uh, and and you know you could look at the kind of historical record, but again, this has never happened before. Uh, they, you could label this some level of constitutional crisis, although it's not really a, a crisis of the constitution. It might be a crisis of, of authority or something. But uh, interestingly, it could. Uh, force the 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 would-be uh, putative Ryan administration to be kind of a parliamentary one uh, that is serving uh, at the pleasure of the uh, congressional majority that could theoretically at any time find a majority to pick Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or whomever else. The Twelfth Amendment was passed uh, and ratified at a time when the selection of president and the Senate were different. That is, uh, president and vice president were elected separately, and members of the U.S. Senate were chosen uh, by state legislatures or by a method designated by state legislatures. Does that have any bearing on this? Well, the reason the 12th Amendment was put in is because 
Thomas Jefferson and his vice presidential uh, uh, running mate, uh, if you will, Aaron Burr, tied in the Electoral College. And Aaron Burr insisted that he was now president or co-president with Jefferson. Um, they finally broke that long jam. I, I think one of Burr's uh, electors ended up being so-called faithless and voted for Jefferson. Uh, but to prevent something like that from happening again, that's why they passed the 12th Amendment to, to have these multi-layer uh, procedures. Ilya Shapiro is a senior fellow in constitutional studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.